Greetings, and welcome to the Random History Podcast. Today I will be discussing one of the things as the reason that the Mona Lisa is so iconic. I'm sure that pretty much everyone listening to this has heard of the Mona Lisa, you know. It's not, not, it's not like a giant painting. It's not only really a giant painting, but it's a decent size. It's pretty much probably the most famous painting in the world. A thing to note, however, back in the 1900s, it was somewhat known, but it wasn't exactly world famous. In fact, it was kind of like, eh, not like, it was kind of like, Kind of the average famous pu- painting, you know. Some people know what it is, some people don't. It was actually a theft that helped boost its popularity enough to make it kind of this, like, internationally renowned and internationally known painting that is basically an icon at this point. So, I'm going to kind of talk about that today, and I know I mentioned the theft of the Mona Lisa, which is the factor that made it so popular on my Twitter accounts and on my um, social media or whatever. But I kind of want to expand on to this just because it's an interesting story. And I feel like people don't really think about what makes the thing art so important, what makes it so famous. The thing to notice oftentimes good art or famous art will involve real life events or real things, which, which can make them so much more popular. So I'm going to start it. So for those who do not know what the Mona Lisa is, just in case, the Mona Lisa is a painting by, I believe, Yep, Leonardo, Leonardo, da, da Leonardo da Vinci. Can never, never remember, can never remember how to pronounce that. It is a half length. and It is a portrait painting. It is of a woman. It's like a. She has a facial expression which is somewhat smiling, somewhat not. It is, and it was actually, and then it's believed that this woman is Lisa Gerardon. I believe it's pronounced Gerardon, Gerardini. And this was the wife of a, basically a nobleman. And it's believed that he's painted it between, started painting it between 1503 and 1506. But more recent, like information and more recent, like studies have shown that it's probably painted around 1513. And those who do not know why, what, and eventually it would be a, Acquired by the King of France, and that's how it ended up in the possession of the French government in the Louvre Museum, which is a very, very value, like very very, in valuable museum just in terms of contents. It's usually, if not the most, or not all, almost always, the most visited museum in the world. And it basically has them. Um, it holds basically the royal, all the old royal collections, in addition to new artwork. Lots of them, which are which were confiscated, but, like, a bunch of different, like, both artwork and, like, historical items that serve as artwork, and it's a super famous worldwide as, like, the museum to go to, basically. So I'm going to talk a bit more about the theft of the Mona Lisa now that I've gone the Louvre out of the way. So it was stolen by a man named Vincenzo, Vincenzo Perugia, and he was actually a Italian man, and this is considered to be the greatest art theft of the 20th century. Now, he never really, like, gave too much information on what how he did it, because why would you give it away? But basically, the theory is that he hid inside the museum on the day the day before it would collect. So, basically, the day before it was stolen, on the 21st of August, 1911, so on the, t- the 20th of August, 1911, he hid inside the building for the night, and... Or then he hid inside the building and waited for the next day. However, Perugio, after he was interrogated, said that he did not do that. So he actually entered in the morning. And that he basically just wore one of the employee's clothing items. Like the employee like uniform and basically no one could tell. Then he wait, Then when he waited for the area to be empty, he went to the... According to him, he went to the area. 
He took the painting. He went to the area. He took the painting off the things, and he took it to a nearby store, service staircase. This is where he took off the case and frame. I think to note, most paintings, you can actually remove the wooden frame on the outside, then you can kind of roll it up into more of a smaller size, which can make it more transportable, and that can be used to, like, steal it, pretty much. I think some people some people say that he hid it under, like, his smock or his uniform. However, he was most likely too small for this instead, so he probably wrapped his smock around the painting and, like, tucked it under his arm and left with it, and the, then hid it in his apartment. And it was he actually hid it for a total of two years. There actually believed to be several motivations. Perugio himself basically admitted that he brought it back to return it to this place in Italy because he, be- he thought it was basically, it has been stolen from our people. And it's believed that he may have been sincere in this, and this may have just been a lie by him, but it's possible that he did not know that it was actually a gift and not stolen. He actually believed that Napoleon, he said, he actually said that after it was stolen by Napoleon, so it is possible that he did not know it was a gift and that he thought, thought Napoleon stole it. However, some people believe that it was probably not the actual motivation because they believe that if he was really patriotic about it, he would have donated it to a museum and said he tried to sell it. And it is possible that there was actually another man known as Eduardo de Valverno, a, f- a famous con man or semi-famous con man who'd actually commissioned a man to make copies so he could sell them as an original. So it is possible that he actually planned it. So I'm going to go back to the actual theft now. This will probably be one of my shorter podcasts, just because it's a pretty short topic. I'll probably talk a bit more on the aftermath later to make it a little bit longer. So after we hid the painting in a trunk of the apartment for a total of two years, so as you can probably tell because he managed to hide it, but he, they didn't really investigate him that much. There was a lot of other suspects at first. He kept it in his apartment at Florence, Italy for some time, but, but eventually he got very impatient about it. And he would eventually contact a man named Alfredo Gary, who owned an art gallery. And basically... um. Whatever his name. The the stories conflict, but it was clear that basically Perugia, he expected some money for returning the painting to a, its so-called homeland. And he actually, um, Gurry ended up calling in another man who was Giov- Giovanni Poggi to, like, authenticate it. And after they took it for a safekeeping, they called the police, like, contacted them, and ended up having the police arresting the man. Then after it was recovered, it actually been, it was exhibited all over... And with all these, like, people, like, celebrating his return, there's, like, these stories, like, our painting is back, finally. And it was kind of, like, pretty popular for them. And then it was returned back to the Louvre in 1913, a total of two years later. And there was famous before the notoriety that the theft basically gave it throughout the world and all this police investigation made it so well-known just because, like, it was on the papers of people, like, what is this? Is that in the papers? So they learned about it. And then when it got back, everyone was super exciting and basically made them really like it. So I'm going to talk a bit more about, like, the aftermath and, like, what happened to the Mona Lisa afterwards. As I previously mentioned and kind of spoiled, the Mona Lisa was returned to the museum after its theft. And basically, since then, it has been stored in the museum still. They did get insurance on it, like, and I believe it, it actually won the Guinness World Record, I believe, because I believe it had something along the lines of... Its insurance back in 1962 was 100 million, so today it's probably like, it has like half a billion dollars worth of insurance money. So the insurance of that is, well, a lot of money. And after it was stolen, it became much more famous. It's, that's how it became renowned, and people now visit it a lot and just kind of look at it. It's one of the most probably fam- famous papers I already mentioned. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. And this was the Random History Podcast.